All tricksters are on the road. They are lords of in-between. A trickster does not live near the hearth. He does not live in the halls of justice, the soldier's tent, the shaman's hut, or the monastery. He passes through each of these when there is a moment of silence, and he enlivens each with mischief. But he is not their guiding spirit. He is the spirit of the doorway leading out and of the crossroad at the edge of town, the one where a little market springs up. He is the spirit of the road at dusk, the one that runs from one town to another and belongs to neither. Lewis Hyde, Tricksters Make This World, Mischief, Myth, and Art. and gals out there in the hinterlands. As always, it's Rock, and I'm here with my co-host with the most, Max. And we're going to be your guides as we traverse the halls of all things supernatural here at Nightmares and Daydreams. Yeah, welcome, lovely people. Rock and I are going to discuss and debate our way through all things paranormal, 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 legendary, and monstrous. And of course, fun. So Max, before we delve into all that fun, let's ask a quick favor from our amazing listeners. Lead on, Rock. Guys and guys, we know we sound like that proverbial broken record, but please take that quick moment to head on over to whatever platform you listen to us on and give us that five-star review. It helps the like-minded people find our show, and it helps the podcast out so much. And if your podcatcher doesn't allow ratings, then hey, share us on social media. Tell your friends about us. Anyway, thanks, y'all. And now back to the show. Okay, Rock, ask the question, good sir. You know you want to. All right. Do you want to know what's not fun? I never know, Rock. Mischievous spirits, gods, and entities playing pranks on us hapless, short-lived mortals. That sounds pretty fun, actually. Well, if you're the god in question. Totally, man. It's great to be the prankster, but not the pranky. Agreed. Basically, it's fun as long as we're not the butt of the joke. I'm rarely the butt of the joke, Rock. I'm usually the face of the... <laughs> Wait. Yeah, you're much too clever to ever be the butt of the joke. <laughs> <laughs> now, that didn't come out quite right, but... I think it came out perfectly. <laughs> uh, this is going to be a rough episode, I can tell already. <laughs> it's all good, my friend. But speaking of the face of the joke, today we're going to be talking about all those face men, fast talkers, and con artists of the gods in the supernatural world. Indeed, the tricksters. Mm-hmm. Everyone's favorite gods and beings, let's be honest. Hermes, Odysseus... Prometheus, Anansi, Loki, Coyote, Legba, Raven, and Hare, Renard, and all the little foxies, just to name a few. The world is chock full of tricksters. They inhabit damn near every culture's legends and gods. But let's hold up for a second. I want to talk about baby Hermes for a minute. Okay, but why baby Hermes, not adult Hermes? Well, look, I like baby Hermes the best. When you talk about Hermes... You could talk about grown-up Hermes or teenage Hermes or bearded Hermes or whoever you want. Okay, whatever you say, Ricky Bobby. Listen, why don't you tell us this quick tale of the all-powerful baby Hermes? And when the purpose of great Zeus was fixed in heaven, Maya was delivered and a notable thing was come to pass. She bore a son of many shifts, blandly cunning, a robber, a cattle driver, a bringer of dreams, a watcher by night, a thief at the gates. 
one who was soon to show forth wonderful deeds among the deathless gods. Born with the dawning, by midday he played on the lyre, and by evening he stole the cattle of far-shooting Apollo. Who knew baby Hermes was a cattle thief? We don't cotton to that down here in Texas, Max. But seriously, I love how baby Hermes, newly born, just takes off from his mom, invents the lyre, and then steals his uncle Apollo's cattle. Dude, he was a bad seed, or a serious go-getter. But really, you know, what can you expect from the patron of thieves and liars? Classic trickster. And to show his tricksy mind, even at that age, he devised shoes out of oak bark to hide his footprints and drove the cows backwards so that Apollo couldn't follow their tracks. Don't mess with baby Hermes, people. He'll steal you blind and barbecue your cattle without your permission. He's no daisy at all. <laughs> See? Baby Hermes is awesome. I do concede. Baby Hermes is the best Hermes. Dear tiny baby Hermes in your golden fleece diapers with your tiny little balled up fists. <laughs> okay. Okay, I think the joke is done, Rob. Dear eight pound, six ounce newborn infant Hermes, don't even know a word yet. Just a little infant so cuddly yet still so damn tricksy. <laughs> Sorry, people. Cut. <laughs> Cut. Just take us to a new story. One day, the trickster Loki found himself in a mischievous mood and cut off the lovely golden hair of Sif, the wife of Thor. When Thor learned of this, his quick temper was enraged, and he seized Loki and threatened to break every bone in his body. Loki pleaded with the Thunder God to let him go down to Svartalfheim, the cavernous home of the dwarves, and see if those master craftspeople could fashion a new head of hair for Sif, this one even more beautiful than the original. Thor allowed this, and off Loki went to Svartalfheim. There he was able to obtain what he desired. The sons of the dwarf Ivaldi forged not only a new head of hair for Sif, but also two other marvels. Skidbladnir, the best of all ships, which always had a favorable wind and can be folded up and put into one's pocket, and Gungnir, the deadliest of all spears. Having accomplished his task, Loki was overcome by an urge to remain in the caves of the dwarves and revel in more recklessness. He approached the brothers, Broker and Sindri, and taunted them, saying that he was sure the brothers could never forge three new creations equal to those of the sons of Ivaldi had fashioned. In fact, he even bet his head on their lack of ability. Broker and Sindri, however, accepted the wager. As they worked, a fly, who of course was none other than Loki in disguise, stung Sindri's hand. When the dwarf pulled his creation out of the fire, it was a living boar with golden hair. This was Gullenbursti, who gave off light in the dark and could run better than any horse, even through water or air. Sindri then set another piece of gold on fire as Brocker worked the bellows. The fly bit Brocker on the neck, and Sindri drew out a magnificent ring Drop near from this ring every ninth night, fall eight new golden rings of equal weight. Sindri then put iron on the hearth and told Brocker that for this next working, they must be especially meticulous, or a mistake would be more costly than with the previous two projects. Loki immediately stung Brocker's eyelid, and the blood blocked the dwarf's eye, preventing him from properly seeing his work. Sindri produced a hammer of unsurpassed quality 
which never missed its mark and would boomerang back to its owner after being thrown. But it had one flaw. The handle was short. Sindri lamented that this had almost ruined the piece, which was called Mjolnir. Nevertheless, sure of the worth of their three treasures, Sindri and Brocker made their way to Asgard to claim the wages that were due to them. Loki made it to the halls of the gods before the dwarves and presented the marvels he had acquired. To Thor he gave Sif's new hair and the hammer Mjolnir. To Odin went the ring Dropnir and the spear Gungnir. And Freyr was the happy recipient of Skidbladnir and Gullenbursti. As grateful as the gods were to receive these gifts, especially Mjolnir, which they foresaw would be of great help in their battle against the giants, they nevertheless concluded that Loki still owed the dwarves his head. When the dwarves approached Loki with knives, the cunning god pointed out that he had promised them his head, but not his neck. Brockhir and Sindri contented themselves with sewing Loki's mouth shut and returned to their forge. Loki is one of my favorite tricksters. You know, Max, and I love the way he stood up to Thanos. <laughs> he is very tricksy, and I love that story. But my favorite is the one where the gods try to cheat the giant out of payment for building their castle wall. So they send Loki out to slow him down so that he misses the deadline. Oh yeah, the giants were using the great stallion Svalfari, and Loki distracted the stallion by becoming an attractive mare. See, the mind of a trickster, man. Mm -hmm. That wouldn't occur to most people as the obvious means of obstructing the construction, would it? You know, it's definitely not the tack I'd take, <laughs> but having fluid genders and forms is another hallmark of the trickster. Take, for instance, a modern trickster, Bugs Bunny. Too true. Bugs does like to dress up in drag and throw Elmer Fudd off his trail. Right. Bugs would just throw on some lipstick, then turn into a stylish, superfly-looking she-rabbit. Who knew Elmer was a furry? Oh, my God. <laughs> of course you went there. Yeah. All right. Back to Loki having an eight-legged horse baby. Yeah. Loki is a mare, so he... she? Anyway, Loki gets pregnant and becomes the mother of Sleipnir. Yeah, and for those not into Norse myths, Sleipnir is Odin's eight-legged steed, which could outrun the wind. Secretariat ain't got nothing on Sleipnir. What about Seabiscuit? Slower than molasses compared to Sleipnir. You're too slow. You're too small. Seabiscuit is a stupid name. You sound just like the enemies of Seabiscuit. Okay. Whatever you say, Dwight Schrute. I've got a riddle for you, Rock. I love me some riddles. What's the wager? No wager, just a friendly contest. Okay, fine. What's your riddle? Wait, wait. You know what, Max? I'm going to start with a quick one for you. Okay. Man walks over, man walks under. In times of war, he burns asunder. What am I? You kidding me? That's easy. A bridge. All right, smarty pants. Your turn. Okay. Who are the twain that on ten feet run? Three eyes they have, but only one tail. Well, easy right back at you. That's Odin <laughs> riding on Sleipnir. Odin has two legs and one eye. Sleipnir has eight legs, two eyes, and the only tail. You are wise, my friend. I've just heard it before. Okay, speaking of Trixie, let's do a couple more riddles. A riddle game? <laughs> if you win, I show you the way out. If I win, I eat you up. Let's uh, not do that, but pretty good. <laughs> you know, I like the 1970s Rankin Bass Gollum voice best. Yeah. No offense to the great Andy Serkis, but that cartoon was like, it was pretty scary when he and Bilbo were kind of doing their riddle contest. For sure. It's like, is it tasty, precious? 
is it juicy? I was like, oh, hell no. That scared me when I was a kid. <laughs> Animated Gollum definitely scared me. All right, what's the riddle? All right, here goes. 30 white horses on a red hill. First they champ, then they stamp, then they stand still. Ah, trop facile, mon ami. Too easy. Teeth and gums. It's a classic, man. I had to ask it. Okay, ask yours. Let me also pick a classic. It cannot be seen. It cannot be felt. Cannot be heard, cannot be smelt. It lies behind stars and under hills. And empty holes it fills. It comes first and follows after. Ends life, kills laughter. It's pretty wicked, but I've heard this one too. Darkness. Okay, à toi. My turn. Okay, I'm going to give you another classic, and you might have heard it. Make it a hard one. What do I have in my pockets? (laughs) The one ring, obviously. (laughs) You tricksy baggins. I'm more of an Aragorn type, Max. Rugged, good-looking, and a friend to the elves. (laughs) You wish. Shall we do another story? Let's. Once, there were no stories in the world, and Anansi the spider went to Nyan Konpon, the sky god, in order to buy the sky god's stories. The sky god said, What makes you think you can buy them? The spider answered, I know I shall be able. Thereupon the sky god said, Great and powerful towns like Kukufu, Bekwai, Asumengya, have come, and they were unable to purchase them. And yet you, who are but a masterless man, say you will be able? The spider said, What is the price of the stories? The sky god said, They cannot be bought for anything, except Onini the python, Osebo the leopard, Moatia the fairy, and Moboro the hornet. The spider said, I'll bring some of all of these. Go and bring them then and Anansi set about capturing these. First he went to where Python lived and debated out loud whether Python was really longer than the palm branch or not, as his wife also says. Python overheard, and when Anansi explained the debate, he agreed to lie along the palm branch. Because he cannot easily make himself completely straight, a true impression of his actual length is difficult to obtain, so Python agreed to be tied to the branch. And when he was completely tied, Anansi took him to the sky god. To catch the leopard, Anansi dug a deep hole in the ground. When the leopard fell in the hole, Anansi offered to help him out with his webs. Once the leopard was out of the hole, he was bound in Anansi's webs and was carried away as well. To catch the hornets, Anansi filled a calabash with water and poured some over a banana leaf he held over his head and some over the nest, calling out that it was raining. He suggested the hornets get into the empty calabash, and when they obliged, he quickly sealed the opening. To catch the fairy, he made a doll and covered it with sticky gum. He placed the doll under the odom, the tree of life, where the fairies play, and he put some yam in a bowl in front of it. When the fairy came and ate the yam, she thanked the doll, which of course did not reply. Annoyed at its bad manners, she struck it, first with one hand, then the other. The hand stuck and Anansi captured her as well. He handed his captors over to Nian, the sky god. And the latter said, Anansi, from today and going on forever, 
I present my Sky God stories to you with my blessing. No more shall we call them Sky God stories, but we shall call them the Spider Stories. Love it. Thanks for the stories, wise Anansi. I mean, who'd want a world with no stories? Not me, and certainly not the great and powerful Neil Gaiman, whose book, Anansi Boys, is one of my all-time favorites. And my copy is personally autographed by the man himself. Nice. I love book people here in Austin. We stood in line for hours, Max, when he came. That was time well spent. It was indeed. Good times. Totally. Book people is a local treasure for sure. Mm -hmm. Recently had their 50th anniversary. So cool. Okay, speaking of Anansi, I heard Orlando Jones, the amazing actor who plays Mr. Nancy. A.K.A. Anansi. Exactly. But I heard he got fired from the American Gods. Wow, that's crazy. And yet another reason I don't watch that show on the reg. You know I have a problem with any dude named Pablo playing a leprechaun. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, Jones is a Nancy. He hit just the right note playing the spider god. I can't really imagine anyone else in the role, but I guess we'll see what happens. Max, as we all know, casting directors and showrunners always make the right choices for the roles in the shows we love. Am I right? I mean, Game of Thrones, right? Oh, perfect. Am I sensing a bit of sarcasm here, Rock? Hey, man, they got Cavill as Geralt of Rivia, so I'm satisfied. And the Wheel of Time cast seems pretty solid as well. So, moving on. Hey, second season of Witcher soon. Yep. I know you're excited. I'm super excited about it. Okay, so what else you got for us? So let's talk about the roles tricksters play in some cultures. You mean besides making asses of people? <laughs> or tricking them out of their food? Or making them do their chores for them? Exactly. All right, lead on. So let's get into a definition of tricksters. In mythology and the study of folklore and religion, a trickster is a character in a story, god, goddess, spirit, human, anthropomorphization which exhibits a great degree of intellect or secret knowledge and uses it to play tricks or otherwise disobey normal rules and defy conventional behavior. Rule breakers and slackers? Well, you know, not just that. In many legends, especially in Africa, tricksters teach other valuable lessons. How so? A well-known Bakongo legend, and there are people who live in the Congo area, speak of Monimambu and how he took their words quite literally. One day he scrolls into a village where the women are gathering peanuts and they invite him to stay for lunch and have peanuts stew with them. Sounds inviting. So yeah, they invite him in and they put him into the hut with the kids and they tell him to eat his lunch with the children this amazing peanut stew. Don't tell me. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so he quite literally eats the children in the hut as well. Come on, man. So the villagers are horrified, as you might expect, and drag him out of the hut. And he innocently says he was only doing as he was told, was he not? Did they not tell him to eat his lunch along with the children in the hut? <laughs> Trixie. So the angry village women can't disagree with him, and so they let him go. And he strolls off, <laughs> because in his mind, he's done nothing wrong. Only exactly what they asked. So, and that's another hallmark of tricksters, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever the situation, they usually come out unharmed and unburdened with any feelings of guilt. Exactly. His conscience is clear. He's a model citizen helping out, you know, doing whatever the community needs him to do as he's passing through. And in doing this deed, Moni Mambu teaches the people to measure their words carefully before they speak, imparting wisdom in that ghastly deed. Yep. Just so. Rough lesson, though. It's an important one. And honestly, the story's so gnarly. And it's one that people, especially kids, will remember. And in doing so, they remember the wisdom of choosing your words wisely. 
You ready for another story? Please. There was once a tribe living on the coast. They lived by fishing. They were nurtured by the sea. Now Raven, the trickster, was a very lazy bird. Instead of going fishing or hunting for himself, he followed the boats of these people, begging them to give him some of the fish they caught. Caw, 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 he croaked. Gimme, 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 because he was always hungry. They were kind at first, and they threw him fish. But it didn't matter how many times they fed him, it was never enough. Caw, 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 he screeched. More, more, more. He became more and more demanding. Finally, the people by the sea grew tired of giving up their catch and of his never-ending begging. This bird is a pest, a nuisance. He is getting too overbearing. He doesn't leave us alone for a moment. He gorges himself on half our catch. It's too much. So they decided to stop feeding him. They told Raven, enough is enough, trickster. You are never satisfied. We're not giving you any more fish. Raven flew into a rage. Caw, 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 you stingy people. I'll get your fish one way or another. So he began to steal the fish. He stole them from the nets. He stole them from their hooks. He even stole them from right out of their boats, flying away with his harsh croaking laugh. They threw stones at Raven and shot at him with bows. Outraged, he declared he would avenge himself on them. On the next full moon, you'll see, he said. They were unnerved, for Raven had immense powers in the mind of a trickster. But their chief consoled them. He is just a nasty bird. He can't do anything to us. Raven overheard him and flying up, snatched the silvery moon out of the sky and hid it away. The people cried out in despair. What shall we do? How can we go on without moonlight? How will we survive the dark nights? Four days later, Raven returned. Caw, caw, caw. If you feed me again, I will bring the moon back. Will you agree to this? What could they do? They agreed, and the raven brought back the moon in his hooked beak and set her back in the sky to shine down on the people. I thought the raven was just a pesky bird, said the chief, but I will not cross him again. He is too powerful. Don't mess with the raven, man. He created the world. That's true. In fact, it's interesting how often tricksters are the sources of creation in many of these stories. Yep. Wily tricksters outsmarting the prideful leader of whatever pantheon he's in, doing the opposite thing he's ordered to do in order to bring positive things to the fledgling human race. And in those instances, tricksters are donning the cloaks of protectors of humanity, not just these manipulative layabouts. We got stories from Anansi, the sun from Raven, Liar music from baby Hermes. <laughs> and cows. He didn't create cows, Max. He just stole them and barbecued them. Word. <laughs> and barbecued them. But Prometheus, another trickster, stole fire for us. He did. Interestingly, Coyote, another trickster, is also accredited with bringing us fire, which is great for barbecue. And I'm obviously hungry. I keep talking about barbecue. <laughs> Indeed. Hey, I mean, never enough barbecue, right? Exactly. I think what these lessons are showing us is that muscles and brawn are not everything. And like you said earlier, tricksters who are outside the norm of society can still be super beneficial to the tribe. Yeah, they illustrate that having a keen mind is always going to be a huge advantage in life. 
and having super flexible morals is another good trait <laughs> in outwitting those bigger and stronger than you. Yeah, tricksters are never burdened by guilt and nor do they often show remorse, allowing them to move on to their next adventure. Which, speaking of next adventures, I think we're done, y'all. You speak true, Max. So thanks for hanging out, ladies and gents. If you find folks want to support the podcast, head on over to buymeacoffee.com and search Nightmares Podcast for a delicious one-time donation so Rock and I can maintain our caffeine addiction. Mm-hmm. It's much appreciated. Also, we have that Patreon page up at patreon.com forward slash Nightmares Podcast. Y'all will continually add new content and the tiers start at a buck a month and y'all can cancel anytime. We've added relaxation stories, Max's myth, bonus stories, and additional music by Teresa Joy. Also, grant us the boon of that five-star review, or do us one better and take the time out to write a review. Help us get the podcast out there, y'all. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, stars are great. Words are even better. Yep. Also, join us on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We'd love to hear from y'all. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, what you'd like to hear more of. Totally. And finally, head over to our own damn website at nightmarespodcast.net and a holler at your boys. We'd love to hear from you. Maybe pick up a bit of that holiday merch you've been eyeing. So, ladies and gentlemen, as always, be good to each other and sweet dreams. dreams.